you musicians. Good morning. Welcome to the digital service of Shoalhaven Baptist Church. We're going to start with song number 25, but uh, we'll pray just before that. You can open up your hymnals to 25. Praise the Lord who reigns above. Let's, uh, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, thank you that uh, we're able to meet in this uh, digital fashion. And Lord, that, uh, that uh, soon uh, we're looking forward to being able to meet physically. We pray that you'd bless our time together this morning as we sing, as we seek to praise and worship you, and as we open up our minds and hearts to being instructed and, and encouraged and, uh, and corrected uh, from your word. We pray that you'd bless. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, song number 25. Praise the Lord who reigns above. Sunday School, 10 a.m. on YouTube, and of course right after that the church worship service at 11 o'clock on YouTube, and we're going to continue the Wednesday night uh, prayer meeting and Bible study uh, through Zoom, and then uh, Lord willing and uh, government allowing and uh, so forth, we're planning to start meeting physically uh, in June, but we'll give you the details for that 
uh, as we get a little bit closer. Remember the AGM of the church uh, moved to uh, 28 June. We'll advise you about that as well. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, read uh, Isaiah 41.10. We'll do it uh, twice uh, together. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Once again, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Amen. Let's go ahead and uh, pray at this time. Remember to be, uh, be, uh, continue giving uh, online, and we'll pray for the use of uh, that income right now. Heavenly Father, thank you again for all that you give to us and provide for us. Lord, we do pray for those who are struggling financially right now. Lord, we pray that you'd meet their needs. And Lord, we pray for those who are able to give and those who do give. Lord, bless uh, them in their giving and bless uh, the funds, Lord, as uh, we distribute them uh, to uh, make uh, uh, to pay the bills here, Lord, and then to make possible the uh, service of uh, church planters and missionaries that we support. We pray again that you'd bless uh, those who are giving and bless the gift itself as it is used for your purposes. Lord, please bless the remainder of this service. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go to 251. That's near the cross. 251.
you. Pastor Shalabert, if you'd come at this time, thank you. Well, thank you, Pastor Hall. Thank you again uh, for singing along at home. I hope you were. Oh, those great hymns that uh, we love to sing. Amen. I am truly looking forward uh, to the time when uh, fairly shortly, I hope, uh, we can meet again uh, here in the auditorium for our Sunday uh, worship service. Until then, though, uh, continue to watch on on YouTube and uh, uh, we'll pray uh, that that'll be a blessing unto you. Uh, this morning we will continue on with our um, with thoughts about the Ten Commandments. And so this morning we're looking at the Ninth Commandment, uh, the rules of speech, the rules of speech. So uh, once you turn your Bibles and open at Exodus chapter 20, and we're principally going to be looking at verse 16 today, but I'll read for you a few um verses prior to that and we'll have a look at this this morning so in Exodus chapter 20 um, let's read from verse 12 and again I mentioned to you the first four commandments really relate to our relationship with God and the last six of the these commandments our relationship one with another and so we'll begin to read with the fifth commandment um, which is in verse 12 so Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honour thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbour. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll continue on. Our Heavenly Father, we do praise you, we thank you today. Thank you that you've given to us uh, these commandments that help and guide us. And Lord God, uh, we thank you for them. We thank you, Lord, for each one who's watching on and do pray, Heavenly Father, if there be any amongst them who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, that today would be the day of their salvation. Well, Lord, it is such an important matter in the life of a person, Lord, that they might know that there is a God and that that God loves them and that he did send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary and pay the penalty for their sin. And so, Lord, we pray for those who may not know you. But, Lord God, for each one who claimed to be a Christian, who is a born-again believer, Lord God, we pray that they would indeed be enriched and helped through the preaching of your word this morning. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is great to be here. Um, and for you to be able to watch on on a Sunday morning. And I wonder if you're watching on with your neighbours. <clears throat> perhaps you are. Perhaps you know that your neighbours are watching on. This uh, commandment here has somewhat to do with our relationship with our neighbours. And you might say, uh, who is my neighbour? Well, there was famously a, a man who did ask that question um, of Christ and uh, what Christ said to basically in his uh, parable of the Good Samaritan was uh, that your neighbour just happens to be anybody nearby. Let me uh, mention to you here that two out of the ten commandments deal with sins of the tongue. The third commandment 
which forbids the taking of the Lord's name in vain. And then this commandment, the ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbour. These two commandments would speak of the inappropriate use of the tongue. Firstly, against God, and then, secondly, against man. So these things are important for us to note, and they should be a warning to us of the potential dangers of that little member that lurks within our mouth, the tongue. Well, we say the tongue because uh, um, we, we attribute that to speech. But this little member, this tongue, can cause a whole lot of trouble, can't it? So uh, we need to be reminded of that. And the scriptures, in fact, have quite a bit to say about the tongue and how it can be a means of blessing or a means of cursing, you know, a, a means of goodness or a means of, of, uh, of evil. And so we want to be very aware of our tongue. The tongue, it was once said, is mightier than the sword. So this ninth commandment was, to, uh, was the first commandment to be broken on earth. It was broken by Satan when he said to Eve in the Garden of Eden, you shall not surely die. God had warned Adam and Eve not to take of the fruit of the garden, and uh, they did. And uh, God said, uh, you will do so at your peril, and if you do, you will surely die. And Satan managed to convince them by telling them a lie. Yeah, you won't die. Of course, physically they survived for some time, but spiritually they were separated from God. In our society, in any organised society, we depend very much on language and the power of speech. It would seem that it's impossible for human society to survive, to exist without speech, without us being able to communicate with each other. And certainly God understood the power of a common language and he set about to limit the desires and the dominion and the power of mankind by limiting the ability of them to speak to each other, to communicate one with the other. In ancient days, um, there were those who sought to have dominion over everybody and everything. And we read about it in the uh, uh, book of Genesis in chapter 11 about the Tower of Babel and they sought to build a tower and a city uh, that would uh, uh, be renowned and that would prove their power and would, uh, would make them uh, seem able to survive without God. The scriptures say this, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded and the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Language is so important. It's an essential element in society. And to fulfil its uh, 
society's proper purpose and, and place, then language, words, speech must be trustworthy. Words must command confidence or else they will erode the structure of our society. Paul offered an excellent advice uh, to the uh, Ephesians when he wrote to them in Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 25 he said this, Wherefore putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbour, for we are members one of another. Not the reason that uh, he gives here for putting away lying. We are members one of another. Now, that's especially true regarding our church or any church, but all community um, are f fellowship together in some form. All communities are members one of another in some way, and that would be shattered if a man never knew whether what somebody else said, what his neighbour said, was going to be believable or not. Surely it's a significant reason for much of the distress and trouble that we have in our world today. The simple fact that we cannot entirely rely upon what somebody says as being truth. And we hope that we can, and there are certain people in our life who we would trust that would always tell us the truth. But then there are those who we're just not really sure about. If there were a situation where nobody's word could be trusted, how would we manage to survive in society? When false testimony, when lying, even half-truths become commonplace, who's to be believed and who can be trusted? The Bible records these words uh, that King David wrote. He said, uh, I said in my haste, all men are liars. And you can read that in Psalm 116, it's in verse 11. And it might have been said in haste, but it's probably true. At some point, all of us have lied. It may have been a simple thing. It may have been a little lie. It may have been a whopper, but at some point in time, we've all lied. And maybe even that was the very first sin you committed, was to lie. In Jewish society, the truthful testimony of people was of vital importance to the operations of the law. And in Deuteronomy 19, verse 15, we read, One witness shall not rise up against a man for an iniquity or for any sin, in any sin that he sinneth, at the mouth of two witnesses, or at the mouth of three witnesses, shall the matter be established. One testimony was not going to be sufficient to establish a man's guilt uh, or innocence in regard to an offence, and no doubt to uh, prevent spiteful and unnecessary accusations that was brought about. That was the law. Moses also wrote this, he said, At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. Can you imagine the consequences of false witnesses upon the lives or the life of an accused person? 
No wonder God reinforced his law, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbour, with these other rules and laws. Men sometimes can be spiteful. Today in the church, uh, the same procedure is uh, to be adhered to in regard to offences against a Christian brother or a sister for that matter, another Christian. First of all, we're to go to the one whom has been offended and seek to rectify the matter. If I have caused somebody offence, uh, then I should go to that person. If I don't know then that I've offended them, then they ought to come to me and say, hey, pastor, uh, what you said offended me. And then we need to seek each other's forgiveness and get on with life. If that doesn't work, then Jesus said, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every, every word may be established. It's all in Matthew chapter 18. The Bible words, thou shalt not bear false witness, are not words we would use in common speech today. You know, we don't go around saying, you know, thou shalt not bear false witness. But we understand what they mean. They simply mean don't tell lies about people. Right? Don't commit perjury, which is telling lies under oath, and don't slander or um, continue on to tell unsubstantiated stories about people. We call that gossip sometimes. Lying is uttering or acting falsehood. And slander is the spreading of false reports that tend to destroy the reputation of another. And there's plenty of that goes on from time to time. These are the two most common forms of false witness. Our text says thou shalt not bear false witness. That means you shouldn't carry by word or by action an untruth about another person. You shouldn't allow untruths to be continued on. Thou shalt not rise a false report. Put not thine hand to the, with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter three, uh, 23 and in verse 1. So you're not to bring about a false report and then you're not to help it be carried on. How many of you could say that somebody has done that to you? Somebody has raised a false report against you. You know, if you could put your hand up and I could see you right now, probably you would be putting your hand up and saying, yeah, somebody told lies about me. I wonder if, on the other hand, we might also say, yeah, I told some lies about somebody else. Many times I've heard the complaints of those who have been lied to and those who have lied against others. Let's face it, you know, we've probably all been on both sides of this fence. The tongue 
of him who utters slander and the ear of him who listens are brothers. Lying and listening to lies should be removed from our Christian life. Let me give you a few examples of lying. Firstly, you can lie with your tongue. Now, uh, we see the story in the book of Acts of Ananias and his wife Sapphira, and they, having seen that some people sold some property and gave the money to the church um, and got some sort of um, approval for that, thought that they might do the same thing. And so that's what they said. Yes, we will sell this piece of land that we have and we'll give the money to the church. The Bible tells us, though, that that's not quite what happened. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira's wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and bought a certain part and laid it to the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Ananias' lie about what he would do was to God. And if you read on in the story, it cost him his life. So you can lie with your tongue. We understand that. You can also lie with your life, and that's called hypocrisy. And this was one of the major accusations that Christ made against the Pharisees. We read in the scriptures, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that ye observe and do. But do not after their works, for they say and do not. So here we're talking about hypocrisy. They said one thing and did another. You read that in Matthew chapter 23, the first few verses. Jesus went on to say, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whitened sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within, full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanliness. And so you can lie by putting on a pretense, a pretending life, we might say. Right? Pretend to be something that you're not. You can also lie by inference. And this is a fairly subtle thing. Um, he doesn't come right out and say it's a lie, but it infers that it is. That is, you don't actually say it, but you drop a few hints. Now, there's an interesting time when religious leaders were discussing uh, their heritage with Christ and uh, claiming to be the seed of Abraham. They were forever looking for some way to condemn Jesus. The Bible says, and they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. 
But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then they said unto him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Well, what they were saying to Jesus was, by inference, that Jesus was born of fornication, that he was an illegitimate child. And so, uh, of course, we understand that that's not the case, but this was an accusation made against him. A subtle word said, a subtle lie, supposed because of another so-called truth. There are some other ways that you can lie as well. That you can lie by flattery. You know? Flattery is not genuine compliments. Flattery is, is something that's not really quite true. Uh, we ought to compliment each other from time to time about the good things that have been done. We ought to be able to encourage each other and say, well, well done. Um, but when it's not well done, uh, and we say it's well done or we can be flattering. Flattery is a form of deceit. It's undue compliment or overpraise. And it comes with a degree of delusion. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin said Solomon when he wrote in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 28. A fellow by the name of Thomas Fuller said, I can't be your friend and your flatterer too. Interesting, isn't it? Flattery is not something that ought to happen between friends. Truthfulness is better. And then there's body language. I can remember when... Uh, uh, many years ago when uh, uh, I think probably the 70s and 80s body language was the, the thing that everybody sort of took note of in, in certain circles and uh, the, the way you acted, the way you moved, uh, the way you did things and the, your body language spoke greatly about who you were and, and what you were thinking. But body language can... Uh, be an issue in terms of our lying. You know, it can include the way we dress. Um, the way we dress and behave, speak loudly, our appearance can say a lot about us. So it can tell a false story of who we are and what we have to offer. You know, sometimes I, I watch the, the, the news on television and some ratbag criminal is going to court. In his normal life, he, he's wearing, uh, you know, joggers and a, a, and a hoodie and he hasn't had a shave for a week. But this day he's in court and so he has had a shave and probably a shower too and he has on a clean shirt and a tie and a suit and he just looks so smart. I think to myself, is that really who he is? Those things, the way he's dressed, they're telling a story that's not quite true about him. How often does the way we dress, that look, 
that smile lie about who we are or what we are. It worries me sometimes that there are people who look a certain way because of how they dress, appear to be a certain thing, and really they're not. And then, of course, there's silence. You can lie by not saying anything. There are certain times when you should be silent, but there are other times when your silence can indicate agreement with something or disagreement with something when you really ought to have spoken up and said something. A wise man once said, all it takes for wrong to have its way and for evil to prosper is that good men say nothing. Sometimes staying silent can mean that you are lying, that you are bearing false witness against your neighbour. Now, this sixth commandment was, as I mentioned, the first to be broken on earth, and it was broken by Satan when he said to Eve in the Garden of Eden, you shall not surely die. It was also broken um, by man after Adam had eaten of the fruit of the tree that was in the midst of the garden that God said he shouldn't eat of. And having done that, and they realised uh, that they indeed were sinners, they had sinned against God, and Adam and Eve hid themselves from God. And the Bible tells us that they tried to cover themselves uh, with a fig leaf or something similar, and uh, there they hid from God. Adam hid himself like a naughty little boy, hiding under the bed, hoping to avoid the discipline uh, that he was due. The Bible says, and they heard a voice of the Lord, uh, of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. By their actions, they had lied. And if you read on in Genesis chapter 3, uh, there you'll find out that uh, God said to him, how come you realise this? And uh, Adam, uh, and who made you, told you you could eat of the, uh, uh, the apple? Uh, well, a piece of fruit. We sometimes think it's an apple. Mostly we think it's an apple. Anyway, eat of the fruit of that tree. And uh, Adam said, oh, the woman you gave me, it's her fault. Good one, Adam. And, of course, Eve says, no, it's not my fault. It's Satan. It's his fault. Well, it might well be that Satan had coerced, that Satan had encouraged but the reality is that Adam and Eve made their own choice about what they would do and now they were lying to God. Perhaps the first sin you ever committed was to lie. Perhaps it was, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. It was my brother. It was my sister. You know, kids do that all the time, don't they? No, Mum, not me. I did not knock over the pot plant. Yeah, you did. 
And so it is, you know. So-and-so made me do it, or something like that. David wrote this in Psalm 58, verse 3. He said, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Speaking lies. It doesn't take us long, does it, to learn how to lie. The Bible tells us God doesn't like that. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19, we read this. These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deceiveth wicked imaginations, uh, sorry, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. God hates lying. He has much to say about it, and much to say about the tongue and the control of the tongue. In fact, James writes in his little letter, he says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. James says we need to have control over our tongue, over that which we say. Otherwise, we are not what we say we are. God hates lying. And if you love God, you should love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. And so how are we going to deal with this insidious little sin, this very small word, called a lie well we need to pray about it because it's probably one of those things well it's certainly one of those things that we can't win over without the help of God and without the intervention of the Holy Spirit in our life we need to remember that honesty is the best policy there's an old saying that goes something like this Oh, what tangled webs we weave when first we practice to deceive. Deceit, lying, just brings trouble. It just brings entanglement. You say one thing that's a lie and then to cover that you have to lie about something else and then about something else and eventually it all becomes so complicated you don't know where you are. Why not just be honest in the first place? Put your hands up. Yeah, I did it. If you lie, you'll have to lie again. And the first lie is bad enough, but the second becomes even worse. In our homes, parents need to um, model truth. And there are lots of little lies that we tell about things that we think are just innocent little things. And some of those ought not continue. Little fables about Christmas time, stories about Easter that simply aren't true. 
about men in red coats and rabbits and eggs and things like that. And we look at that and we say, wow, that doesn't hurt anybody, but it does because it takes away from the truth which has to do with Christ and his life, his birth, his death and his payment of the penalty for our sin. So we need to model truth in our homes and in our families. Don't teach your children to lie by your actions. You know, there are simple things that we sometimes do, probably not quite so prevalent now amongst ordinary people, but cheating on your income tax is still lying. Taking a day off work when uh, you're not sick or have no just reason for it is a lie. A little white lie is still a lie, you know. Sounds difficult, doesn't it? We can't do these things. We can't get these things right unless we ask God's help. We need to ask God's help because we are told here that we're not to bear false witness against thy neighbour. So if that happens, then get it right, set it right as soon as you possibly can. The Apostle John wrote this in 1 John chapter 1 in the first few verses, in fact, in verse 7 down through verse 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we shall have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, that's what we need to do regarding this matter. The Bible says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbour. This was a law, a rule that God brought down that Moses gave to the people of Israel to help them to work one with another, to appreciate each other and to care for each other. God hates lying. And if you love God, you need to hate lying too. Be good to your neighbour. Don't bear false witness. Let's pray. Now, Heavenly Father, we'll thank you, Lord, today. Lord, that you have blessed us with your word. And Lord, although these things sometimes seem most difficult, hard for us not to do, little lies and half-truths so easily become part of our life. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to remove them from our lives. Lord God, bless us. And Lord, for each one listening in, if there be any, who know you not as Lord and Saviour, I pray today will be the day of their salvation. Thank you for your blessing from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Hall, if you'll come to lead the final song.
right. Thank you, Pastor Charlebert. Hello again, everybody watching. That was a good Bible-based convicting message on lying. What was it? The rule or law of speech. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. All right, let's go to uh, 259, the cleansing wave. Of course, uh, talking about the blood of the Lord Jesus, but uh, we just... Uh, the message just ended about setting things right. If there is some lie, we need to set right. So let's be encouraged to do that. Let's be encouraged to turn to the Lord for his forgiveness uh, as we confess our sins to him. 259. Let's the sin, to confess the sin, and to set things right. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer then at this time. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time again to be sitting under the teaching and preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that each one of us would be honest with what your Holy Spirit has revealed to us, with what your word has said. Lord, help us to put aside uh, our pride, uh, our resistance, uh, even our lying to ourselves about this matter of lying and deceit. Lord, help us to be honest and open before you. Help us to make the changes we need to make. Lord, help us to, uh, to be truthful people. It's so important. We, we see it's so important for our friends and our loved ones uh, to be honest with us. We want a society around us to be honest. Lord, help us to uh, set the pattern, to follow uh, your example, to love what you love. Help us ourselves first uh, to be truthful and honest and may we see uh, an increase in truth and honesty and and uh, a stopping of lies in our lives our families lord and in the world around us we pray these things in jesus name amen, amen. 